Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. What's good, Internet? It's August 26th, and you are listening to Waypoint Radio, episode 503. I'm your host, Rob Zachney, and I'm joined by Ricardo Contreras. Yo! I'll let you finish your lunch. Uh, Patrick Klepek. <laughs> Hi. And Renata Price. Hello. You're just assuming you're going to be asked last, so you, you were just, like, timing... No, you couldn't they know. know. They, but we've gone through the they, rotation, they and you're still they chewing. They know that I... Yeah. No, they, they know. They know what they did. <laughs> Let's... Patrick, let's start the show off with some news. And uh, yeah, they're making let- a Bioshock movie. Finally, uh, Bioshock Francis Lawrence of Hunger Games <laughs> so to Netflix's feet. They finally, no. they finally threw out enough no. of Ken Levine's scripts that they they decided to get a screenwriter fifteen years later to make a Bioshock movie. Sorry, this was sorry. literally announced seconds ago. The, so we're doing what? Uh, yes, this is from uh, Netflix.com. Uh, pick your plasmid and get ready to evolve because the Bioshock movie just found its director. Fresh off the teaser trailer for his upcoming Netflix spectacle, Slumberland, Francis Lawrence is joining the film adaptation. He's bringing along Logan and Blade Runner 2049 screenwriter Michael Green. Hmm. Oh, okay. The Little Sisters are in good hands. Um, I don't think they mean that ironically. Uh, anyway, yes, I guess they're going to give it another another, another shot. I mean, they got another Bioshock game coming. Excited, excited for Andrew Ryan to turn to the fucking screen and say, would you kindly watch the rest of this movie? Yeah, I mean, like, frankly, I don't know what they, like, you can't do the twist of that game in a movie that's always been the conundrum. <laughs> oh, but what if you do the twist as a post credit sequence? Somehow. Uh, that's how. <laughs> Somehow. Roll the credits, oh and then would you kindly? And everyone's like, oh, he said the thing, and wow. You know, who can... We don't imagine what will happen next. But I think, you know, the, the crucial thing also was they had to wait for Unreal's filmmaking technology to mm. catch up Uh like oh god! Inter- so they can actually do the sets. Yeah, <laughs> this is location shooting for video game adaptations. We did. We they could just take the raw assets from the last, uh, the last update. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> all the, god. all the, all the, all the reviews being like, "Why does this movie look so fucking oily? This is the greasiest movie we've ever seen." It's like that's authenticity, baby. Mm. Uh. Patrick, let's let's start with some other news, uh, particularly how Sony is handling PS5 prices in the face of high inflation globally. Uh, Patrick, I gather the U.S. market is being left alone for now, but everybody else is getting some price increases. Yeah, they are. Um, the the tune of uh, well, it depends on where you are. You know, the, in 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 Europe, it's it's going up uh, fifty euro. Uh, UK, uh, Japan, 5,000 yen. But I mean, it's basically getting like a 25 to $50 price hike everywhere except the United States. They're, they are citing, uh, quote, the global economic environment is a challenge that many of you around the world are no doubt experiencing. 
We're seeing high global oh inflation, inflation rates as well as adverse currency trends impacting customers, uh, consumers, and creating pressures on many industries. Um, and yes, as you noted, it is happening everywhere. But here, that seems to strike me as Sony going the one place we have competition yeah. credibly yeah. is Xbox in the United States. The rest of the the, the world can fucking eat it. Um, certainly, uh, there there are inflation is you know, like impacting everyone, including a company like Sony in terms of the margins, they're probably making the amount that they can sell of the PS5 in existing form. But the notion that we now have back to back instances of Oculus raising the price on the Quest 2. Uh, and so soon after people joked, well, I bet Sony could get away. We might have joked here, like, I bet they could get away with raising the price of the PS5. And I think they're right. I think they can. I think they can get away with it. It's like shitty and arrogant. And the way they're handling it, where they're just not doing it in the US is is basically the whole ball game um uh but nonetheless it's 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 really unprecedented um uh, compared to what we've seen in the past which is broadly speaking uh consoles get cheaper as they go on they sell you slim down versions for cheaper prices or better versions of that hardware mm -hmm. at the old price well the, the funny thing too is i think consoles are kind of a, a weird product in so far as they are wedded to their prices in a way that a lot of their consumer goods are not right like they 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 come out early with what the prices are going to be and they try to like pin that number in place and hold it there as long as possible and nobody else does that like everybody else d didn't even tell you that the price is going to be changing they just do it right it's like mm -hmm. the deals dry up at stores you don't see discounts uh general right. generally there's like markups across across the board um so like to a degree it's this also seems like news in I mean, part. That's what bundles are, right? Though I mean, they do that. That does ha that does happen in consoles to some degree. Like a lot, you know, one of the most uh, popular ways to get a PS5 these days, although it's getting easier, is to buy the Horizon bundle, yep. which you know ends up costing a little bit more. Um, you know, there are plenty of places, even as supply was really bleak, that well, if you just like to spend nine hundred to a thousand dollars, there are places that will throw in a bunch of accessories that have better margins. Uh, you know, at you in exchange for 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 that. So you do get that sort of like dealership, like the dealership model for consoles is the bundles. That's how they you yeah. know make extra money uh, on on those machines. But um, you know, your your point is is broadly true about essentially it being more or less the same price, and it's a big deal when those prices drop um, because consoles don't refresh particularly fast. Uh, even really? as we've entered into an an era where we we do get multiple editions of consoles with some reliability. So uh, this week we also watched the Gamescom uh, opening show, and obviously the biggest reveal was the fact that Homeworld 3 is going to feature a lot of line of sight screening uh, space mm -hmm. terrain, mm -hmm. and that's going to really enrich the tactical mm -hmm. battles and going to interact mm -hmm. with the classic formation-based 3D space combat. Uh, everyone's losing their minds. It's the you know leading story on all the game's websites, but some other stuff was shown. Uh, Ren, I am curious, like out of the out of the um, barrage of announcements we got at uh gamescom what leaped out at you in terms of big news in Honest, the presentation honestly it was the uh new deck 13 game uh that is a developer that i like a lot i think the surge one and two are significantly underrated both in terms of like their gameplay approaches but also like i think that the surge one and two both have interesting things to say about bodies uh that are like worthwhile um I don't think that series gets enough credit. 
and the aesthetic that they're that they're leaning into for this new game is like it's very sand heavy all the weapons are made of sand and it looks sick as shit and seems (laughs) to be like moving into a more it looks this the gameplay they showed looked like a hybrid between character action and the specific kind of souls-like combat that they have built over the course of the last like four years and that's a really compelling combination to me because i think one of the best parts of the surge one and two are its uh location targeting uh and also like the ways in which it feels wildly distinct from the genre from which it's derived uh and so that one really stood out to me uh despite i think it being a bit of a oh god atlas fallen Thank you, Patrick. Uh, hey, that game also uh, bucks, you know, in terms of a, a developer finally doing enough of those games to really feel confident in their identity and to really put their own uh, kind of mark on it. The sun exists uh, in uh, Atlas. Like, it's very bright. Like, it's, <laughs> it's, I don't know if I go as far as to say it's colorful, but it is striking to mm. see one of these games that is not obsessed with the grim, dark fantasy aesthetic that so is so predominant is gorgeously disgusting in from and then from inspired games but so many of those games are that are that are you know look at liza p or um any of like it's like "Ah, look at these gross gross uh creatures like going around in the in the night and it's like well like other colors and and times of day exist that is again the strength of the surge one and two i think like they they are games that actually do lean into brighter outdoor areas more colorful like city environments especially in the surge 2 and so yeah I've, i have grown to trust that developer and be excited about the things that they do uh also like it's an aesthetic that resonates with me i've been playing a lot of caves of could and listen some cool people in a desert who do cool weird desert magic Mwah. chef's kiss we're getting a couple of these. Fors- Forspoken is also like in in that same sort of vibe. There's a there's a third sand based action RPG whose name does is is escaping me. We saw it uh, at E3, but it also looked cool and was from a notable developer. And I will try to fill in that information when I am not talking. But <laughs> I thought you were gonna say the the Dune game, the Dune game, but that seems to be no. a no survival game, right? A survival yeah. MMO, yeah, survival MMO from the Conan. Uh, MMO developers, a game that, from what I understand, it turned out kind of all right by the end. You know, not certainly not my cup of tea, but what was that? Was that Rob? No, I mean, like I heard the same thing that uh, yeah. eventually that turned out to be a, a pretty good uh, MMO in that kind of vein. I'm like, I know a lot of times you you get in the loop of wow, this looks like a cool game in a cool world, and then it's like it's going to be massively multiplayer. And you bet your ass there's going to be some crafting. And immediately I'm like, okay, well. People don't really use that term. Like, it was actually sort of striking that they even use the terminology MMO. That Mm -hmm. has sort of fallen Mm -hmm. out of favor, uh, even for games that have, like, you know, wider interactions with a larger set of players. Like, I don't know if MMO is necessarily, like, (laughs) turns people off. But I actually found it kind of striking that they said survival mmo and it's true in the survival genre the survival genre tends to be really localized a handful of players you know unless you're talking about something like rust but i um uh i don't know maybe that's just the old school funcom mentality of because they made a number of these what was the it's not it's not they did do a sci-fi one anarchy online that's when they did mm -hmm. a number of years ago and then what was the dark fantasy horror one they did uh Wait, they're, they're not the Dark Age of Camelot people, are they? 
<clears throat> no. Um, the Secret. Oh, what was it called? The, the Secret, Secret World. World. Oh, wait. Oh. Yeah, yeah, that, that one. That yeah. game fucking rules. But shout out to The Secret World, a <laughs> game that I never played, but looked at from a distance for a very, yeah, me very too. long time. Because I was like, this Just seems fucking sick. Why an is Amazing. <laughs> amazing game. By the time I was like in the, like I, I could afford it as a, as a youth, it had already, the, the era had passed. And I was like, damn, I would, I would, hey, someone should make the secret world too. Somebody get on. That. So wait, Rob, did you play a lot of secret world? Why, why, why was it cool? So like, so the secret world, it, its whole deal was very, very X-Files, but also all the myths are, are true kind of in that world. Uh, so it has like, Illuminati and Templars uh and and such uh like and and cyberpunk ninjas like doing battle uh in the the world of shadows but each zone was also dedicated to a different like genre of horror so mm. uh the starting zone and like this is maybe to the game's detriment the starting zone was was enormous uh you'd like it was like 30 40 maybe 50 hours of play just in the just in the opening zone before you see anything else that's in the game but that zone <laughs> is dedicated to Stephen King style horror oh, um, it is come on it is uh the dead have walked out of the sea and swamped this like uh remote fishing village in Maine uh but also did the zombies also invade and occupy um a posh prep academy uh in new england nearby you bet it did was there a dark carnival with a mysterious past nearby the dark was, carnival is what i remember from yeah. a lot of the market well, we made a separate game. game about that too oh um, okay that's yeah why, they, they lifted that out and sort of did it as a one-shot uh horror piece but like the writing was really really good um you know i think maybe by now if you look back on it you you definitely say it was a very whedon influenced uh game in a lot mm -hmm. of ways but uh also you know it, it had it, it had a good vibe it was like so much better written and voice acted than a lot of its peers that it was just a cool world to hang out in and then you know i think there was the uh you know do you like the mummy there's a zone dedicated to all sorts of like eldritch ancient egypt shit uh happening um and like there is j horror uh mashed with cosmic horror uh happening at yet another place i guess that was the that was the era of the ring remake coming out and the grudge and yeah. like a real uh string of of j horror getting uh remade in the u.s yeah and like and and they did a really good job like honestly kato you never played this right Oh, man. So here's here's the thing, and uh, I'm sorry to break it to you, uh, Kata. <laughs> now that you missed this moment, yeah, uh, they leaned hard on uh, ARG design, yeah, okay. and Shut like that was up. woven throughout the game, including <laughs> I think there was an in-game fake internet uh, that you would you would like do quests through, um, and Ugh. so in addition to in addition to like doing your usual like level grinding shit and everything, there were a ton of puzzles that you could just be like dedicating hours to solving um and busting out like uh you know digging up other bits of weird history going on wikis to look stuff up um etc and give you a little taste of like snack size chicken nugget arg uh games that you could play and like of course when you, know, you can ignore that again? too pardon when did this game happen again 2012. I feel like this was a turn of the decade, 2010s. 2012 is when it came out originally. That was, I remember that was actually that was vividly. that was in my fucking arg obsessed days. Yeah. <laughs> God damn it. Yeah. Also, if yeah, I remember 
uh, Rob, correct me if I'm wrong. It also was not like traditional MMO combat. Um, it was no. like a weird hybrid between like traditional third person action and like more MMOE elements, right? Sort of. It was definitely, it was like it, the perspective was very third person action, but like, you know, your character's running around with an M16, but you're still hitting like <laughs> three and three is like do the burst mode on the M16 or like fire your enchanted uh, emptying the full clip with the M16. Uh, so so that's kind of how that game was rolling. What they did play around with was they leaned hard on <clears throat> um, like juggling resources in the way combat worked and so it was all about like building stacks and transferring them uh and consuming them uh so that was a a huge part of the game and uh there was also just a massive crafting system uh designed around like crafting your own gear that was kind of uh by all accounts like really neat uh especially if you're gonna do high level play um but yeah so like there was a lot there and their seasonal events ruled too like man the christmas time krampus invasion good shit those fuckers were mean anyway yeah hmm so they relaunched secret world as secret world legends an action rpg i don't know how much of that is repurposing the same it's repurposing a ton of it but by all accounts they like in the name of streamlining it they cut away too much uh Uh, they got because i was like it's on steam i could i could download this game right now (laughs) yeah it's like basically i think the idea was well we'll reintroduce this game uh and it will be a little faster for people to move through and a little more welcoming and that will cause to take off but apparently kind of what it more succeeded in doing was killing the community that did exist um Mm. and not really winning over uh, a whole bunch of new people so like like content people really like just vanished uh, in that whole rollover because and i think the main part of it was in addition to the quests that were common to all the factions um every faction that you played as also had an extensive faction specific quest line so Mm -hmm. templars had their whole story um illuminati had their whole story the orochi uh had their whole story and that did slow the game down. Like it was like, all right, you've played enough of this like main quest stuff. Time to go and level up your faction rating. Um, but that shit was also really, really funny. I think I was, I think I was with the Templars, and they were like the the corporate, um, like, like the corporate, uh, like paranormal specialists. And it was very funny shit uh, because it was all about like you were just the gopher for a very ambitious um like c-suite girl boss who like just saw the invasion of the mortal realm by uh by like the paranormal as just another mess to be cleaned up and (laughs) in cleaning it up to be a nice feather in the cap uh to finally get that corner office it was great The the way I, I so then I, I started googling is it possible to play the secret world are people doing the private server stuff and that's not true the game is still running but it is no longer you can no longer purchase it and you can no longer like so th- let me just read this thing from uh the secret world uh one of the forums is like it is still possible to create an account for the secret world with a funcom key it is not possible to make an account with a steam key and it may no longer be able you may, it may no longer be possible to get a funcom key from your steam key as the secret world no longer appears in the steam client so basically. There may be like a finite supply of unused Funcom Secret World keys that allow you to create an account to play this game that they are technically still running, but there's no real way to play it. 
which is interesting. <laughs> so I think they're still running. They're still running Anarchy Online, their first MMO um, from from the early two thousands. Someone someone slipped me a, a Funcom. Yeah. So so wait, Under, so underneath the door. So wait, sorry. Does that mean? Because I think I had it on Steam, but you're saying that executable don't work. It's not on Steam anymore, and so it used to be the case that apparent from if this is accurate from understanding this correct that you could use your Steam key to produce a Funcom key so you could use their client, but that it may not be possible to produce a Funcom key from the Steam key because it's not listed on Steam anymore. Only Secret mm-hmm. World Legends. Is. Yeah, yeah, no, in my library it's Secret World Legends. Fuck. Yeah, it rolled over. Fuck. Damn. Right in. Solve this mystery for us. Yep. The audience has done this before. All right. Uh, so great work, everybody. Uh, Gamescom discussion, mostly secret world chat. Good. Uh, Listen, honestly, wait, wait, are we, are there we was done? more about the secret world than I saw at Gamescom where I went, oh, hell yeah. Uh, no, we're, we don't have to be done. Um, <laughs> I, I, I think I think one thing, Patrick, once you pointed out, I couldn't stop thinking about it. Just how weird a Telltale Expanse series is. At mm-hmm. this juncture, makes no and, sense. But because also because like what Telltale tends to stand for is like it's they sort of latch on to uh, like growing concerns, right? Like, ooh, you love you want to get more of this world, don't you? Mm-hmm. And with, that's true with the Expanse, but also <laughs> it's like here's a prequel for a character who, boy, everything is just wrapped up. No further, no further questions about like about that setting. Um, like I will still, I will still play it, but I'm just not sure yeah. it feels. Uh, and also, like Young I don't drama. know, Kato, when I was looking at, when I was looking at it though, did it feel expansive enough to you? Did it feel sufficiently expansive? I don't know. I mean, it's hard to it's hard to tell. I feel like from this, uh, what does it even mean though? Footage. Like, what, what what do you drill down on expansive? Like to me, it's it's got ships, right? Yeah, Sci- sci-fi. But I've never watched it, so I can't actually give you. The specifics on what what make at the, least, the expanse the expanse at least the show right has a specific sort of sci-fi aesthetic yeah. that they're like close to but maybe there's a few too many rounded edges in some of these parts I don't know it's like they're obviously pulling from the TV show but because it's also cartoony there's like a it feels slightly off. I don't know. Yeah, that's. I think that's it. It's like the cartoony style, the way that they've adapted, doesn't actually communicate the setting as well as maybe you would expect. Not to say you couldn't do a cartoon version of it. I just don't think sure. that this style necessarily does. I think a lot of it ends up looking rubbery and shiny in yeah, a way that the Expanse it. is like scuffed and matte. Is the yeah, way that's I would put metal it. and <laughs> that's the thing. I was going to describe uh, the Expanse as hard sci-fi if no one had told the set designers about Griebling and only <laughs> told them about like battle damage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What if what if what if the only tool the set designers had were a couple of pieces of metal furniture and a bunch of fucking sandpaper? Uh, but also like I associate it with like a version a vision of sci-fi that is deeply grounded in its human characters and is like character perspective first world second but because it is character perspective first that world becomes so much more fully bodied and, and like strong uh, at least in my experience with the expanse it's, it's gonna be hard to tell before hands-on with this i feel like because yeah it's so much about what is the writing like, right? Like, what what is yeah. the actual plotting going to be like? So, uh, now all this could—it's not too late to turn this whole thing around. You imagine <laughs> if they revealed secretly, they got Jared Harris 
to record like <laughs> 12 hours of dialogue for this game <laughs> like jerry harris was like i'm just so i'm just so mad that i got sucked into the terror and uh had to spend all that time on foundation when really i just wanted to be anderson dawes i was like this is gonna th- the, the yeah. role of a lifetime anderson dawes he seemed to be enjoying himself on foundation <laughs> he did he, he did uh so <laughs> he, so was he, lee like pace a- yeah, yeah. Lee Pace and, Lee and Pace, those God. are two, two, two actors that I don't want to say will just take a check, but when they do, they still like put their all into it, right? Like showing up to the foundation just to have a good time yeah. and Apple is paying every everything <laughs> that, to, to produce this show. But they're both, they every single role they show up for. I've heard Lee Pace is incredible in this new movie, Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. Uh, it's like this uh gen z slasher film where he plays some some older guy and he's just it's apparently he crushes it he lee pace lee, yeah. my turn lee pace there we go just just lee pace films yes oh, man that's uh can the entire hobbit trilogy be one pick no <laughs> Shut no. The fuck no i'm gonna no they shouldn't have existed so no <laughs> that would be a great way to troll ourselves just everyone just get, pick the next one pick the next one and we tell everyone for the lord for the for the new lord of the rings amazon show we're not going to be doing a review of that or watching the original trilogy <sighs> we will be watching the three hobbit films and extended, extended edition discussion. only please <laughs> did they do oh extended for the, the hobbits yes they, so i had a, so Why? i had a friend like mind you this was when this friend was at his most high just in terms of like i like being okay. high a lot but he he did he did argue that if you treated the extended edition Hobbit movies mm-hmm. as an incredibly expensive adaptation of someone's fan run RP <laughs> like RPG campaign uh-huh. about the Hobbit, that it's oh. a lot of fun. <laughs> Made more so by being really high and snacking <laughs> continuously through those movies. But he's like, is the Hobbit? No. Is it a really sincere like RPG groups attempt to like create a grand campaign about the Hobbit? Yes. That's I, I, you know, those movies are trash, but that's a really cool way of looking at them. (laughs) And it's sort of like is is how you sort of reconcile the fact that like why they add all this shit? Because it's an RPG group that's Uh like we need more encounters. We need to be leveled up for the Battle of Five Armies. Right. Right. So like some have enough tons XP. of shit. <laughs> yeah, tons of shit is happening that you're like, this is not a compelling aside. Yes, uh-huh. but it is grinding. And, and yeah, and the entire time the GM, instead of just like rebalancing any of these encounters, is just like, no, we just gotta it's fine. Listen, it's like it's fine. It's fine. And, and I was like, like, dude, I don't <laughs> care about this NPC dog. Like, I know, I know you want him in here. I can't. I cannot right now. And whoever and was playing there. Feely and whoever was playing the uh, OC elf lady, uh, like, started dating midway through the campaign. And so that just got folded into the story. Oh, yeah, I think it all, it all makes a lot of sense. The <laughs> worst, the worst thing, the worst possible thing. There's enough in Lee Pace's uh, IMDb, though, that I think we could do this. Just, just oh, oh, of course. Is all the pushing daisies one peck? <laughs> Jesus Christ. That's no. one season, right? <laughs> my, my my turn. I pick I pick pushing daisies. Se- Next week, Patrick. Season. Halt and catch fire. 
else. Is he in that too? That's on yeah, the long the, he's list like of the shows. Star of of Halt and Catch Fire. Yeah. Huh. Lee Pace. Crushing it. I think that I just want to take a quick side note on my turn. I like that we developed a podcast that's just tailor built to give every member of our crew anxiety by the end of every episode where it's like what's that motherfucker gonna do what is that what is that absolute i'm dreading the fan pick the 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 the, the, the audience pick. yeah i don't we, i don't know quite how because that'll be determined by where we, we end up with ren yeah but i think maybe we also oh, i know where we're going a, Shh, don't say, mm, i think we also met a pick that would follow off of that and then the audience interesting like votes from that from that slate I thought audience nominations and then that, that audience too. picks. Yeah. yeah. Right? Oh, that's not a bad idea. They nominate and then we can, and then we, and they can not. Yeah. Yes. And then we could we could take from that list to a, yeah. a list that we they would vote on. That's good. All right. Good. All right. Good meeting. All right. Okay, let's get back to the pod. <laughs> Great work. Great work, everybody. Um, uh, also, what if Pinocchio, but darker? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'll be honest. Lies I thought this game the... was Steel Rising. Like Steel Rising, I was Pinocchio was a femboy though. You were right. Yeah. you ended up being yeah. right about that part. Yeah, I was like, "Where's the girl?" But no, it's just Pinocchio's a femboy. Yeah, but that's canon. Yeah. Listen. So the lantern is Jiminy Cri- Cricket. Yeah. yeah. The lantern okay. Jiminy Cricket. Um, Pinocchio is being played by Timothy Chalamet. Yeah. Yeah. Really. Is that a joke? Not literally, but <laughs> okay. if you look at him, that looks like <laughs> Timothy Chalamet. It looked close enough that I thought they were doing some sort of like stunt casting or something that I hadn't heard about. <laughs> but again, like uh, Patrick, you also felt like it looked sufficiently bloodborne for you, right? Like, yeah, I, I, I ended up. Uh, so the, the, yeah, there was a trailer at the, the Keeley's Keeley's thing, and then uh, if you go search on YouTube, it's it is playable at Gamescom, and mm-hmm. so IGN had a like fifteen minute like direct feed capture from from the game and you know i would say expectations slightly tempered after seeing uh the game uh sort of like played in a fashion that is closer to what it'll be like for for any of us when that comes out i presume sometime sometime next year um if they're already making the game pass announcement i assume that's the first half next year game but uh it looks fun it looks good you know i yeah again like it's like it's good enough, and I'm not getting that in other places. And the gimmick is so fucking funny <laughs> that the notion that it could be a pretty decent game match mashed up with I must take down the fascist Geppetto uh, is, I mean, why not? <laughs> I, yeah, I feel like I'm still high with your friend, Rob. And and they just pitched me on this game and I said, yeah, I don't, I know a guy with some money. Let's make that. And then you woke up and... You're showing your game at Gamescom opening night. It's now it's got to come out. It's got a Game Pass deal. <laughs> um, hey, Kato. Yeah. So they showed a bit of this at Gamescom, but also there was the uh, like Bungie stream as well. Did oh, yeah. you hear everything you hoped uh, from Bungie regarding Lightfall? No. And changes to Destiny? No, damn it. Yeah, well, I feel like the big rework to some of these things that you were positing did not come through. Instead, I saw a lot of like, you can lock in builds for quick swaps, which I how, felt how was use way there's a Fans have been demanding, we would like more layers of UI. And Bungie is listening. Jesus Christ. <laughs> there's so many menus out. Here's the thing. the One of these things is actually super great. And that is the what Rob was talking about, loadouts, uh, which is... 
the way that uh building you know in in destiny works is that you have these mods that go on to different gear parts of gear and that's how you make your build but the way that the ui worked is always like you have to go into each individual piece of armor you can't see like the whole scope of what your build is at once in any like there's no way to say that uh, and there's no way to save any like if you want to do any quick swaps there's no way to do it currently you just have to like have a set of different uh armor that you swap to and you know which one is which um this one is going to be it's it's very useful for two reasons first of all it's just like ease of use is much easier to see like hey i'm gonna make a quick build i'm gonna like play around and like put these together and see what my stats come out to and i can you can do it all from one menu instead of having to go into your helmet equip two of these mods leave go into the arms equip two of this mod and this other one wait what was the name of the one that i needed on my that's right i have to go back out and go it's it's a fucking mess right now this is like it'll make uh it make it easier to like wrap your head around building making builds in the first place like for new players and also you know love to be able to save loadouts to quick swap too if we need to the thing that i w- hoped was there like didn't get spoken of there is still a chance since this doesn't come out till february that they're holding that for a later reveal um because it is a pretty big change but it probably isn't coming um which was the 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 change to leveling the change to gear level and whether or not they might replace that with something else um you must feel pretty owned after spending a long time describing the systems that you expected to be showing up (laughs) and then he's a destiny player he's just gonna keep keep playing the game it's like I'm still you gotta, you gotta put, was, put, put their the head most, in their hands and the pick up the controller. <laughs> classic deep in the community shit to do, which was I'm pretty sure I know what's gonna happen, and it's all these revisions. <laughs> I said to these I hedged. Systems. I said it was rumors. <laughs> it was just rumors from a prominent leaker, um, and also things that I wish would happen. <laughs> so that maybe <laughs> there, there we go. There we come to it. Um. Anyways, what they did show was really cool. The 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 showcase itself was uh, pretty in depth. We got a new look at the the next color being added to Destiny, green. Um, they're doing a new new classes uh, for all of the uh, all of the new subclasses for all of the for all of, all of the classes that is called Strand. Uh, so hookshot. we've got our next. We've got kinda. the second in the Strand universe. Well, are these people from a parallel game? universe thing? Okay, yeah. Like, <laughs> did I see oh. some like sort of some sort of like parallel universe thing coming in Destiny? No, what? Oh, right. The the fucking yeah. They're in Fortnite and Fall Guys now. Fuck. <laughs> um, they're uh. What's interesting about the the place we're going is this. They've they've introduced a new faction of humans. Uh, that have somehow escaped all detection by both us and every all the alien that's like fucking flying past Neptune on the way in. Wow! Uh, Even in Destiny, new types of guy are dropping all the time. All the time, we got new types of guy. Um, and it's just neat that there's they definitely have some sort of abilities that we aren't sure if they're connected to the darkness or if they've developed their own technology, whatever. There's something there's something new and that's yeah. that's always good because they're gonna finally kill the traveler? Uh no, that's gonna take a while. Okay. We've got at least two other it's probably two more years. They've got announced tons of two, HP. Yeah. 
Yeah, I don't know. It seems to be. You know, be very funny is if Destiny Three is about the traveler relocates, and now humanity's like, we gotta find and kill that fucker. Destiny Three will never exist. They also know, basically but... confirmed this. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, in in their well, they won't drop the two. What does that? No, they'll just keep saying it's just it's mm-hmm. always gonna be Destiny Two, and that is the game. That is the game forever, and they will continue to update it. Um. They're going to finish off this storyline in two years with the next two expansions. Next, sorry, three if you include Lightfall. But two I, they're after gonna that. They're going to drop the two. They're going to drop they're, the two. At some point, they're they're just, it's two. just going to be, this is des- Destiny. Destiny yeah. Yeah. Forever, whatever. <laughs> Destiny Infinite. <laughs> um, but yeah, they're, they, they, they said during that, during that showcase that this is it. We are updating this. And also... No longer sunsetting anything. So all of the expansions that currently exist and going how forward. Kind, how kind of them to, <laughs> yeah, to now, take away so the wait, things you bought. The vaults Which, no, they're not taking anything out. But the things that are currently there will not be put into the vault. Mm. So basically. Thanks, thanks Disney. Yeah. <laughs> basically, the, some of the old stuff like, and the things that they said on their blog is like, hey, a lot of this old stuff was kind of busted and like not very efficiently made and therefore take ups took up too much space. And like, we wouldn't be able to expand the game at all if we kept it around. So we're going to get rid of it in order to make new things. Apparently they've either decided that they can afford more like space to save things on like their servers and still keep the game small clients, client size wise. Cause that is still like a hundred some odd, game but bungie's invested a lot of money need. in a cool nos setup for their they, they got bought by sony so now yeah. there's like a whole they've got they've got some <laughs> some more levers to pull i guess uh but yeah basically from here on out they're not they're, they're no longer doing the rotational thing where like things come in things go out oh um, that's good to hear which is nice um certain yeah. things won't be uh accessible still like seasonal stuff does i think still well, yeah. go away because that's the the point of fucking. Well, I mean, that makes sense for a live passes. service game, yeah, though, exactly. right? Like that's that 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 part I never. That's how you that's how they really... keep you on that treadmill, right? Yeah. Except for Kata. I mean, I uh, you know I still play the stories. Yeah. But <laughs> but you don't you don't We're pirates you don't chase right the... now. Yeah, I don't. I'm not chasing. Yeah. I'm not chasing forever. Yeah. That's the thing that's happening right now too. That's also got announced that day, but it got totally overshadowed because it's not as cool as that. The new season started, and we're pirates. We're space pirates. Nice. Cool. We get to be space Wait, who are you doing some... space piracy to? Uh, other pirates. The Fallen. We have... It's okay, though. It's not racist, because we have Fallen with us. They're helping us. <laughs> Perfect. Mm. Love it. Mm. <laughs> that was my cool. first question. Neat. There's Neat. a very cool... Neat. There's a bunch of uh, cool Fallen NPCs that are, like, you know, human-aligned Just, or whatever. Oh, really? You got Just... a Fallen friend? Yeah. Just make well, just them one. Oh, just man. the one. <laughs> just fucking make just, them playable. Just out of frame. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like add them as a like a, at this point they are they are really yeah. Just put the character model in the character creator. It's fine. <laughs> It'll make everyone feel way less weird about some shit. Like it's. It feels like it's, it's right there. I feel like they're working towards it with the the hive shit. The hive being able to have like powers from the traveler. So. Maybe in Destiny did, 3. Yeah. Maybe in Destiny 3. 
we should point out, you know, you you glossed over that they put in the my one weakness into this game that they have a hook right. shot, a yeah, yeah. hook. Strand, the strand powers all include a new movement option for all classes. Originally, it was just going to be for hunters, but luckily they decided this is too cool, so we're going to give it to everyone. When it's not, it's not even and just uh, yeah. And the thing that you note, I only saw like a couple of clips, but I just presume because this is frequently how grappling works in video games is it's attached to predetermined locations, and you're sort of restricted by. The spots the design, designers have put into the to the various levels, but no, I mean, there presumably is a cooldown to stop yeah. players from exploiting it, but that you can just hook shot around um, in a bunch of really cool ways. So there's a, I, I think I am, it I, seems I, like they have both things, which is neat. Uh, that makes sense. There's going to be a cooldown on like just grappling to the mid. The mid. Here's the thing: is that you don't even have to grapple to a thing. You can send the grapple to the air, and then after it travels a certain distance, you grapple. It just whips. It you. just whips yeah. you forward, even if there's Ugh. nothing there to grapple to, which is sick. That that is probably on a cooldown. But I. Th- but we've seen also there are nodes, so it looks like those you can grapple to for free and like continuously, right? What so there'll be sense. like little arenas set up with nodes so that you can continue to grapple. But also when you're playing the game in other open areas that might not have these nodes, you can still grapple to the air, probably in a more limited capacity than than the other the other way. What style? January 2023. I've I finished Elden Ring and now I'm just going to play all of Destiny 2 in the lead up to Lightfall. Yeah. What style of grappling wait, hook wait, are we no, looking at? Patrick, is it actually, like momentum based? Hold on, let, let, let Ren finish your point. I was just asking if the grappling hook was momentum based or not, or if it was like a like like Patrick saying a hook shot snap to point style thing, or if it was actually like you could swing around, swing around, not just like mm. zip around. It looks more like it looks more like swinging uh, from the videos that we've seen and. Whether or not it takes into account like previous momentum or if it like changes it, like they like to do momentum stuff, right? There's a lot of um, uh, like sword based mechanics where you can get scooting real, real, real fast by using swords to propel yourself, and um, things that seem borderline buggy that they could have taken out but decided to leave in. So we'll see how those all those sorts of different types of movement interact. Uh, but it does feel in the videos currently that are movement-based. Patrick, mm. if you need to play all of Destiny, you actually have four days. Are we talking about the Epic Game Store thing? No, not Epic okay. Game Store. Everywhere, every platform, okay. it is currently, everything that is currently in Destiny is free to play until the thir- 30th? But what if but so much <laughs> of the stuff that I want is in the vault now? I will never know what happened. I said, yeah, that stuff is gone. Sorry. Where's my Bye. boy Kate? <laughs> Dead. Dead and gone. Also, doesn't get referenced a lot these days. And they just, like, fucking destroyed that kid. Like, nobody wow. talks about Kate anymore. There's a new, like, um, there's a new, like, introductory, like, cutscene that they made that kind of covers a Aeris lot of... Eris is still around, right? Yes. Eris was actually the focus okay. of our, our cool. of this one uh, season that just passed. She did some really great... Because if they ever memory hall Eris, we're done here. No, like, no. Eris is still yeah. around, and she's actually uh, she gets a Give lot. Give me of- back my wife. One of my <laughs> one of my Steam names uh, before I started here and had to play uh, with my name on stream was Eris More and Step on Me uh, from the fifteen <laughs> minutes that I played Destiny, um, and uh, that was a nice, a brief but uh, a, a fleeting but great moment was being able to be like, oh hey look, it's Eris Morn. Shout out to Eris Morn. 
Uh, also, uh, in remembrance of the death of the in-game death of Cade Six uh, mm-hmm. during our next uh, in-person stream, I will be uh, flinging Arcade Six statue at the wall uh, <laughs> as hard as I can. <laughs> in a gra- this grand new tradition of breaking things on stream in possibly dangerous ways. <laughs> perfect, perfect, thrilled, thrilled um, to hear this. Yeah. Uh, uh, no, I'm not. I'm not. I, I will memory hole the lore if I if I do. I'm kind of. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go full on. You are gonna send me a two and a half hour lore video. Jesus, we'll do a podcast oh, no, no, about no. it. Well, I'm, we're just I'm gonna, gonna have you I, watch I have the a, entire Biff archive. You keep saying <laughs> no, this gotta, word. I need. I need. What? Say that again. What? what? Isn't Robin? the guy's name? Isn't yeah, the guy's, guy's name Biff? Yeah. Okay. Bife? I I totally blanked the first time you said that. Like a two podcasts ago, I did not understand who you meant by Biff. Oh, you like? Oh, uh, is this pronounced Bife? It's Bife. It's one hundred percent Bife. Yeah. That's how he says it in the videos. I, do, I don't watch that. Um, I don't watch those videos. <laughs> I did. A, I did. I did. A, I did a piece on on Bife. On, yeah, yeah. On, on the story, uh, or, or uh, on on the stories that he does about the story in Destiny. I think two years ago, something like that. But no, I'm I'm ready to go on. Kato, I have a secret. Add whatever game you want to your Steam library button. So I'm good. I will just add all of those games and all those. Oh, right. Thanks. So you can Wait, just thank get them. you for rubbing it in. Yeah, thanks for reminding us. No, but I mean, it was better content. Right. I, we, in the run up in January, it's going to be a destiny a thon. Let's go. I'm ready. I'm ready to go all oh, in. Oh my God. Like, you might need. I might need a little more time than a month. <laughs> we'll talk in December. We'll see. We can figure it out. Well, you you can you you go yeah. f- figure out what that would what that would be. But I mean, like the you know the Elden Ring streams, like they give us a platform. That's true. All day, all day, all day Destiny, all day Destiny. Anyway, all right. So we should we should take a quick break and we'll be back with the second half of the show after this. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And we're back. Uh, Patrick, so I think we alluded earlier this week to the fact we did not get code for Saints Row before release. Mm-hmm. And the early critical reactions seem to suggest some reasons why that might have been. But you finally got hold of the game, right? Um, curious what your impressions are so far. Look, if you if you can't get it through one press portal, you get it through another, which is that Epic arbitrarily through their press accounts just you get an email. Like, I don't know. We added these games to your account. I was like, okay, like, <laughs> now, now I can play Saints Row, I guess. Uh, yeah, Saints Row is a a reboot of, uh, but made by the same developer, Volition, who's making that series for fifteen years now. Like those, the, the original Saints Row was an early Xbox three hundred and sixty uh, game uh, around the same time as uh, kind of came out between the era of GTA San Andreas and GTA Four. Um, like a, a game that was very much sort of a copycat. Uh, hey, we're going to make another one of these, but people were very excited for just another one of these. And 
So I didn't play Saints Row One very much. I played that was an era in which demos were cool again. If if uh, where I remember downloading the demo for Saints Row and playing that on my 360, but that was the extent of my interactions with it. Saints Row Two kind of came and went, and then like a lot of people, Saints Row the Third, um, in which like the the the, the franchise really embraced its over the top identity, like excellent music licensing, some like really quality writing, and it was genuinely funny interesting mission design uh stuff that probably doesn't hold up as well now but at the time felt downright revelatory um um in an open world game um with characters you like really enjoyed and liked hanging out with uh and they made a couple more of those uh i i was i got off the saints row train after the four uh, the gat goes to hell was the one i didn't play um which came after saints row four which is where they added superpowers that one's a pretty good like the story is kind of whatever but uh uh, the superpower cracked Saints Row plus Crackdown was a fun mashup, uh, which is all to say Volition after that kind of took a break from uh, Saints Row, made a pretty poorly received by everyone, including myself, Agents of Mayhem, which is a, sort of an attempt to take some of the superhero stuff they were playing with in Saints Row 4 and make a new world out of it. And it was pretty boring. Uh, and Saints, the new Saints Row is like, hey, let's take. The Saints Row formula, uh, kind of over over the top open world, that existing structure, you know, change up the cast, like, you know, diversify the cast, like put it in a new location. Uh, there's still the Saints, but it's not other than sort of allusions to uh, the different characters uh, from uh, uh, that, that world. I think it's like a pretty clean reboot. Uh, the problem is it's boring. Uh, it is it is wholly uninteresting. It, it feels like a game from 2008 in all the worst possible ways. Uh, It is a game that thinks it has an identity and characters and humor, but like humor is not a character just yelling fuck at the screen 12 times in a row at like different uh, Mm. like volumes. Uh, It it, it is a game that like presents itself as like, look how wacky this is. But then if you break down what you're actually doing, it's like you're just riding on the top of a car in a pretty mediocre chase scene while I shoot vehicles with a rocket launcher. I guess just, it's just wholly uninteresting, extremely boring. Um, frankly, the characters, uh, which have sort of, you know, modern witticisms of like, like, yeah, man, fuck capitalism. Except that these aren't like likable, uh, you know, ups- uh, you know, down on their luck upstarts trying to like better the community of the city they're in. They're just a bunch of self-absorbed assholes that want to make their own gang and get rich. Like they're just not. Just not, they're not I mean, interesting. That's podcasting. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're not interesting. They're not funny. The oh, what did you say earlier about? Oh, there was like a perfect pivot point for me talking about Saints Row. But like this game is full of bu- bullet sponges. This is like the uh, the like the combat mm-hmm. feels very squishy. Uh, arbitrarily, an enemy will just come along and it's like this one's got armor, and so you need to peel away that armor before you can really attack their health. But there's like nothing aesthetically different about them. It's just they arbitrarily decided this one's got armor you know you you'll be in the middle of a fight and thousands of bullets are being sprayed into your body and it's taken off like you know one third of the chunk of your health and you'll do the same for a bunch of enemies it's just it sucks unfortunately um and 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 is not nearly as irreverent or witty as it thinks it is and Mm -hmm. doesn't even have at the very least like if he was going to have an archaic structure that's okay. I think that throwback is actually nostalgic at this point, and people could be convinced to try a game that was just 
Like, what if we took the old GTA template and just did something with that? Except they didn't. Like, it, it is, it is, it is, it is all that stuff with no modern sensibility. Um, and you know, four hours, five hours in, I, I, just excruciating to keep playing. Like, zero interest in in revisiting it. That's a that's a huge bummer. As someone who played a an exceptional amount of Saints Row the Third mm-hmm. um, when I was a youth, um, it's a bummer. Especially like what you're saying about enemy health. Like those those games have always had slightly bullet spongy characters. Yeah, for sure. But they've also had like guns that do feel snappy. If you pick up like a heavy pistol in one of those games, it is like bop gone and 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 feels snappy in the way like it the there is a wide spectrum uh, in that series, and I feel like, from what I've seen of the new Saints Row, the spectrum of everything from combat to tone, whatever, has been, like, thinned, right? You're going, the the far left and the far right are, are closer together, uh, and I think that is a, a real weakness of of this new one, from what I've seen. What a bummer. It's, I mean, I think to an extent, I think, I've always sort of been hoping that moment around Saints Row the Third would recreate itself somehow yeah. with like yeah, subsequent dude, the, games. Like the first time you jumped out of that plane, yep. and the Kanye the, West the power, song hits uh, is yeah. just an all-time <laughs> gaming moment. Like every, you know, that game really landed. You know, at, at Giant Bomb, like famously, it was a yep. this was a discussion between Saints Row the Third and Skyrim. I think that was the same year that those mm. these games came out and. I think in retrospect, I, I wish I'd gone, I'd sided with Ryan Davis and and <laughs> given it to Saints Row, but eventually we gave it to to Skyrim. But uh, it, it just it was so it was just so unique. Like it was a game that started as a derivative copycat, found yeah. and forged and found its own identity, and just fully embraced that. And I I think that's the real bummer about this one is that your like the cutscenes, like the dialogue suggests that the game thinks it's doing that. And then the moment you enter a mission, it's just I'm in the middle of an arena, like a, a, a confined arena, just bullet sponging enemies, desperately hoping that my melee attack that refills my health will reach 100 percent before my bullet sponge expires uh, and, and I die. Um, and just none of it, just none yeah. of it works. Yeah. I mean, look, comedy writing is really hard. Like of course, Saints Row the Third. Like to a degree, I'm saying I wish I wish one of these games could recapture that moment. Yes, you mean one of the most well written comedic like action games ever made. Yeah, I too would like it to be as funny in like the sketches it like executes in cutscenes and then the incidental dialogue that punctuates all the major action sequences in that game. Like Saints Row the Third is a game where you wanted to mix and match who you were hanging out with and like just to hear like people talk, talk to each other and uh, you know, li- like keep an ear open for the, the voiceover or uh, instead of dialogue during combat sequences, all that stuff worked. And so even if like, I have no idea if Saints Row the third is as fun as I remember it. Right. Or whether going back to it, I would be like, okay, this is like, there's probably also- some cringe, right. Yeah. But like it was, it, 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 it was for the time. Yeah. And what the expectations were, especially for comedy and games. Uh, and, and and particularly what it did, and part of the reason the comedy landed was because the mission design was 
patently absurd alongside it. What you were doing, yeah. yes, frequently involved just lining up and shooting down some red health bars till they went to zero. But like the context and like, why are you doing this was so frequently weird and what like there's futuristic stuff that happens there's uh it's just it was it was it was very rarely a rote go to a warehouse kill this gang and then leave and like that's wasn't there a a quest chain where you had to drive around with a pissed off tiger riding shotgun and you had Mm -hmm. to like raise your fear level of the tiger (laughs) like like yes there was like stuff like that that's like kind of janky but you given how open world mission design uh, especially again of that era was uh, that felt so refreshing that people were trying to look, is this just an escort mission? Yes. But they like the context is important of like, what are you doing in that escort mission? Like, why are you doing this escort mission? Um, and this game just, just lacks, lacks yeah. any of that. Um, like it is, it is all extremely like, if you know, in a game that is supposed to be like a bunch of diverse you know, a characters and it's like champion that like, it's cool that you can, you know, ha- you can change the voice type and put that on any body type, any gen, like it, that stuff is cool. But then the primary character you're playing to start the, the the game is like, you work for like a private military contractor and like, you just mow down a bunch of innocent people and you're cool with it. Like, wow, how woke and fun Wacky. this game is. Ah, it's, it's so, and that's what all, all the characters are just dirt bags just nothing appealing about them the best thing that happens in the opening hours that is the closest it felt to anything capturing anything of the old saints road games uh, in terms of comedy was like a mission goes awry and you get fired from your oh, oh no you get fired from the the pmc uh and and this is like what leads to the formation of the saints like the, the gang again uh is like your character can't get out of bed and so there's like these quick time sequences of you trying to wake yourself up and you're like mashing the y button and like mashing the Y button faster. And then you slowly go over to the fridge. And like you hit the A button to open the fridge. You hit the A button to open the freezer. You hit the A button to pick up one <laughs> one uh, waffle. And then you're like mashing another quick time sequence to like get the toaster to work. And then it, it was genuinely kind of funny. It was the, on- the single only moment in the four hours I played that came anything close to capturing. Hey, part of what made Saints Row work was that it was not quite... Uh, satirizing open world, but was having fun with the possibility it, space of what you could do. There was a layer of satire to it, and that's it, there's so much of that is lacking here. I, I think that the, the thing that Saints Row never felt to me was like acerbic. It always felt like joyful, mm-hmm. right? Saints Row the Third Extremely is a deeply earnest. joyful game, right? Exactly. It is a game that is like happy to. It is happy to have you there. It is happy to have you hang out with these weird little freaks who are all terrible people in fun ways, and like it. It commits to that in a way that I found like deeply endearing uh, when I was growing up. Well, and that's and that's and that's the thing. It's like they're they're fun dirtbags. I guess is the way I put it. Like Saints Row the Third is like like. If for all that, like, yeah, it's a criminal gang and taking over the city. In a lot of ways, it is also a a not quite maybe fully as earnest as like your classic found family narrative, but that's a huge part of it. It's really close to that yeah, earnest, like, like right up to that border of like we're all big family now in the Saints. Like it's, and I think that's the that's the real difference. Is like yes, you are doing ridiculous criminal shit throughout the game and like just laying waste to this town but one the people you're fighting are so much worse they are they're mean and your guys fundamentally are not um yeah and there's like yeah there's no characterization given to any of the gangs i'm sure they are uh given some sort of 
oh that's deadly because that's the whole point like the third yeah. is oh, like you remember the other gangs you're fighting really vividly and like what their whole deal is especially yes. because uh, you recruit people who they outcast like the found yep. family is a found family of people who reflect the best parts of the gangs that they're from and all of their worst aspects are left in their absence and that makes it so fun to throw yourself against them yeah there's like a there's a strong fast and furious energy that runs yeah, through yeah. saints row it's like the closest analog i, I can think of um and like I, I was looking i was furiously looking for this while we we're in this conversation it's like this is like one of the best jokes in this entire saints row franchise which is you become president in saints row 4 and one of the choices given to the player and they have to choose between the two they can only do one or the other is cure cancer <laughs> eliminate cancer forever left trigger Right trigger is feed hungry. No one goes hungry. You pick one decree and the other is ripped off. And that, I, that's fucking hilarious. <laughs> that is still funny. And is is like jokes like that are like what when Saints Row is singing, like it is it is it is moments like that. Plus lack of Keith David, like just put yeah. him back. Like just put make up a new character for him. Like the man's voice, I feel is synonymous with saints row. And I, I would have loved to have seen him uh, back, back in it to, to some degree. Um, Kyle, I want to turn to you here uh, f- for a moment. You, you, you had two games that written down uh, for today. And I will leave one for, for Monday. So I'm curious if you want to get into teenage exocolonist or uh, an explore two. Teenage Exocolonist I played more of, actually. So Excellent. Um, so take me yeah. through. What is I Was a Teenage Exocolonist? I Was a Teenage Exocolonist is a, um, I guess the closest thing is probably a visual novel style kind of life simmy uh, game about um, Earth's first uh, colonial spaceship sent out into the stars to find a new planet to inhabit uh you start off the game kind of picking some traits of your character. There's a couple of um, weird flashbacks. You have like time displaced from time uh, visions, uh, which kind of leans into a mechanic of the game that I haven't hit yet, but I know I do know there's a, a sort of loop uh, associated with reaching the end of a run. Um, so far, I'm four hours in, and I've uh, basically uh, played two years of time, and there's ten years of time in like a single run. You can see like there's like a little timeline at the end. There's like a wormhole, so I assume you're gonna go back to the beginning yeah. to start a new run once you hit that. Uh, you start at age ten is like when the ship lands uh, on this planet, and uh, this community uh, starts you know building, trying to survive, trying to figure out how to best uh, live on this new world. The, what you do is that the, the day, the, 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 the game is broken up into months, uh, you know, months in a year. And each month you pick an activity to do that will raise different stats. You have kind of, um, you know, uh, reasoning, empathy, toughness, kind of are the three big uh, like breakdowns of like, and emotional logic, logical like reasoning, and uh, then like physical strength are kind of the three main um, uh, types, uh, and those are associated with cards. Uh, <laughs> uh, basically, every <laughs> you, you, you <laughs> the defensiveness begins immediately. Oh my God, <laughs> no one was going to say anything. <laughs> 
<laughs> and so you see why I picked this game up because I was like, oh, interesting. I wonder For what you this are card Ricardo. I am. I am who I am. I cannot deny. Welcome my to true a self. Ricardo appears our uh, <laughs> weekly uh, card game segment of the podcast. <gasps> it's really more a visual novel life sim. Yeah. Then it is a card game, but the card mm. mechanics come into when once you've picked what you're doing that month, you have there's a little cutscene of like you like you know that what whatever action playing out and then you play a little mini game where essentially you, you you do have a deck that is associated with your various skills and that you get from doing various activities that are broken up into three colors each associated with those sort of um emotional logic and then physical uh yellow blue and red and essentially what you're doing is uh there's a key there's like a a score that you're trying to hit um like uh let's just say 10 or whatever each card has a value on it which adds up to your score and also you get bonus points for um pairing like three of the same color that are the same number for example like making a little like if if or like a hand of poker, having like three three of a kind and two of a kind makes a full hand, you get a certain amount of points. You have to reach a certain amount of points. So basically, you get dealt out five cards, and it has to do with how you place them into these kind of five slots, uh, in order to figure out your hand. Most of the like normal monthly things are you have five slots in front of you, and you have one hand, and that's it. It's just about mm-hmm. kind of arranging them in the right order to get the best score. Yeah. And then your all your stats go up depending on how well you do. Sometimes there's things called challenges, which are a little more interesting, where you start with just three slots. So you only have three spaces to place cards. And then uh, the, the total number you're trying to get to is large. So what you're actually doing is kind of ticking it down, and you go, you're going to get three kind of rounds. Each round, another slot for a card is added and you get drawn up to a new hand of five so you're kind of playing through and trying to hit uh combinations of both color and like the cards will have effects on them that will affect uh cards next to them or does this translate into like interesting story generation as far as like what like what's the vibe of what you're doing in this game like yeah like you're doing visual novel like building resources upgrading yeah. skills like fulfilling tasks right but i'm curious in terms of like the overall vibe the story that's being told across this um like what it, is it and is it is it working for you it's interesting i think it works better in some ways than others there's the um what the cards themselves are actually called is memories and basically that's how you get them like during certain events is the whole are- device that this is like a memoir of, um, like from no, the th- title like i was like this is my story or kind of because especially because you're going to be doing it multiple times mm-hmm. it does seem from some of the other um videos i th- there does seem to be some sort of uh, a lot of branching as far as like what seems to be the and uh not really spoilers but what seems to be the 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 pattern here is every year someone's going to die uh and most of the cast are 10 year olds so that first off is rough and i think they like deal with that well like i think it it hits and is also like not um uh 
not crass. Like it's it they this is one of the parts where I feel feel like the like dealing with death as a like the kids dealing with death feels like the most honest part of it. Um, there are other parts where the kids talk like they're thirty year olds, and I'm like, why is this coming out of a kid's mouth? No ten year old knows the word ideology. What the fuck is happening? Um, no, no, I was yeah, and it's. Um, it's not so jarring that like I I wanted to stop playing the game, but it is a little uneven. It's not the it's not the most well thought out kind of writing for toddlers. I feel or not toddlers, but te- young teens, uh, preteens. You know, well, I'm um, gonna tell I'm gonna tell my six year old that Kato called you a toddler. <laughs> um, <laughs> actually, a six year old Kato is probably a little baby. A um, baby. <laughs> God. Uh, but basically. Yeah, the cards in your deck are called memories, and they're associated with specific things that happen and specific things you pick in the opening hours. Uh, a bunch of the lower-level cards are you as a baby, and it's just, like, giggling so is like what it is. being, like, nine. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the interesting part is that, like, a lot of deck-building games, consistency is something that you want to strive for, which means at a certain point, after adding a certain amount of cards, you want to start to try to take things out. So... Uh, and because the numbers on the the challenges that you're getting are get as you get older start climbing, you're trying to get rid of lower level cards, which are you at your younger self. So like, um, at first it's just like, oh, I'm gonna forget this giggling card, which is like you as a baby giggling. You remember you laughed once. Uh, but even in second second year <laughs> in saddest things I've ever heard. But yeah, <laughs> sad right, fucking, right. You, and then, like, you it, remember you laughed once. <laughs> Okay, well, <laughs> and it like it like primes this sort of feeling of like okay, like you know, at the end of the day, we're uh, made up of a collection of memories, and that's like kind of the the like a, a really basic way to describe a self is just a collection of memories, and so um, it, it gets to the point where like the things that are done really well are like the events that happen are all. Um, there's no, like, in, in a lot of these games, I feel like you'll pick, like, what you're doing for the month, It all the bars will tick up, and there's not, because it's something that you're repeating a lot, there's not, like, a lot of characterization or anything like, happening with that. And this, it, like, every single month has, like, a full story that happens that is, like, that helps characterize what's happening and, like, make the, if you, makes the cards that you get kind of tied directly into what was happening. So now I'm starting to forget already things from when I was, I'm 12 now, but I'm forgetting things from when I was 10 that I remember the story beat of happening. Right. Mm -hmm. And like that is hitting, it's hitting in the, in a way where like, okay, yeah, like we're making choices and decisions here that are based on this mechanic of trying to make a consistent deck. But also it means like, you know, as you like focus your life on certain types of hobbies or certain types of tasks, like you have Mm -hmm. to drop something you can't, I tried to, I'm trying to min max a little bit. I'm trying to, I'm trying to get uh, a good spread, but I feel like as I would go on, I'm seeing more uh, dialogue choices being cut off by you don't have enough toughness to do this one. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to have to focus actually. Uh, and it, 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 it signals that pretty, pretty early in a, in a good way. So, um, I think, I think it's, re- it's really interesting. I'm very curious about how long a run takes because, I'm four hours in at 12 years old and the the game runs until you're 20 yeah. and then hmm. resets. So that 
feels like I don't know that I'm going to get like a, another run in this like game. a 20 hour, like a 20 hour playthrough. <laughs> yeah, which like that feels like a lot for something if you're going to play it again. I don't know. And, and you are you are not being like, boy, I can't wait to go through this again. Yeah, it's like, yeah. it's compelling enough. And like, it does seem like things change. Um, I've seen a few images that were like the person the, the the kid that died the first year that we were there in my run through there are adult pictures of them in some of the like uh uh uh, uh like marketing materials which seems to imply the people who do end up dying can be random or different from run to run um yeah. and there is this sort of um overlying thing of like i th- the they they hint at the fact that you will be able to kind of take some memories forward to the next run and the point is that you're trying to get a run where you can kind of save Everybody. the colony from collapsing and you uh, won't be able mm-hmm. to save cuz some of the most so so much so far these first couple of deaths like there was no way to like change that outcome necessarily um one of them was like a random electrical accident the other one was uh, eaten by a like bear like a space bear or whatever <laughs> like it was pretty bad. Um, and so I haven't reached the point to like know like, okay, what is, where does the collapse come in? Right. Um, but like at some point they hinted either either the planet will, you'll over extract from the planet or the co- colony won't survive and you have to find a balance between those two things. Yeah, it's, I mean, it sounds like your first run isn't going to go through all 10 years. Like I, that's, I mean, that's, 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 that's I the impression know. that I'm getting yeah. from what you're saying is that like, uh, I assume that you're playing through this first four hour set and then like in four hours from now, the colony collapses and you're like, all right. And, 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 and then the challenge becomes, right. are you going to be able to get through all 10 years? I'm curious. Yeah. Whether or not it cuts off early so far, uh, like when the year ticks over, it kind of shows you like, this is what happened this past year. And here's like, there's a kind of bar, which is how I know it goes to 20 is like, it shows like a, a timeline all the way up to, a little uh like uh black hole symbol which i assume is going through the uh wormhole and starting over again so so one could say it's a wormhole symbol i mean what are those same th- okay fine no, they're very different <laughs> very they? different yeah i always thought wormholes were just black holes that had a connection to a different black hole is assumedly there's a theory about like what might be in a black hole but right. like, you know, wormholes Wormholes are different. Different. Like, well, well, crucially, black holes are real, right? Uh, <laughs> and not, not. I think, I think, uh, wormholes remain like merely hypothesized. Yeah. Um. But yeah. All right. So I'm curious to yeah. like see how sure. this run shakes out. Yeah. And boy, I'll tell you though, let me talk about this in a week or two. Like, hey, how's uh, Teenage Exit Columns going? You're like. Yeah, I haven't seen I haven't seen the end of that first run. I'm like 14 <laughs> now. I think we got a review. We know how Kato really feels about uh Teenage Exocolonist. Yeah. Uh let's see. Patrick it says here you also so you finally finished Neon White. I did. Yeah, I made I made it to the end. To Are you the best like- in your chosen bracket at Neon White? Like People- did you, your hand selected league? Are you the champion I didn't, of at, it? At a certain point, I, I was not hand selecting. People on on my friends list gave up trying to get the ace medals. It gets pretty intense towards towards the. End. I mean, like again, like this is a game that I switched to mouse and keyboard in the final six hours because <laughs> I, if 
it, it's not that you couldn't beat the levels, but if you wanted to do them to, to get the ace medal, which is sort of like the highest level uh, medal beyond getting like the developer time um, uh, bested, uh, I just couldn't conceive of how to do that uh, on on not not that I couldn't conceive. I like I literally tried and could not conceive the ace medal time with my fingers, and so I <laughs> so I gave up on that and. Had a really good time with keyboard and mouse. I, you know, to echo something I, I briefly mentioned on, on a previous podcast, I, I was I ended up fairly, not fairly, like pretty profoundly disappointed in in the story. I think that the characterization throughout uh, Nan White is extremely shallow and is mostly interested in quips, um, which are well written. But every moment the game wants to go spend a little time being deeper, it just immediately goes towards another one-liner um and this game is long and you know these game these types of action games platformers tend to be i don't know 8 10 12 hours long maybe a little more than that if you're completionist like i spent almost 30 hours in in this game doing all the ace medals getting all the gifts you need to buy you get need to get every single gift if you want to get the quote good ending i'll go ahead and tell you that that's not worth it if you just want it from a narrative perspective. Getting the gifts is enjoyable because each of them is hidden in the stage. It's a fun puzzle that uses the mechanics in a novel way. I found it worthwhile to do that. It was not worth it for the, for the story part. Um, and, you know, Donut County is not a game with the deepest story. And by being, and that's the previous uh, game uh, from uh, uh, Ben Esposito uh, that they worked on before, uh, Neon White, uh, but it was like charming and clever, but like because it was meant to be humorous and cutesy, you know, you weren't exactly examining it for uh, its characters and themes. And Neon White, you know, does want to be taken more seriously. It does have things it wants to say about sort of like friendship and forgiveness um, and sort of found families. And it says those things, but just pretty much none of it landed for me because mm-hmm. so frequently when. So you collect the gifts in the game, you give those gifts to the individual characters, like a gift is assigned to a character, and then you you sort of unlock little cutscenes, uh, sort of like, you know, uh, text exchanges between, uh, or dialogue exchanges between between the characters, frequently flashbacks before they find themselves in this, you know, uh, this, this weird version of heaven that the right. game is set in. And those are frequently, like, would you want to watch four lines about a hot dog? like the first six times okay but like not the 10th time uh it was just a game that i wish it spends a little more time it tries to do it towards the end but it's sort of too little too late to a point that i was just here for the really excellent platforming and mechanics which like i want to make clear are phenomenal like this is a boomerang x level all-time classic Mm -hmm. platforming (laughs) game like like neon white and it, it actually in some ways is a bummer I'm glad the game was as long as it was, but so many people are going to fall off, get burnt out, not want to make it to to the end because of the sheer length of of the game, and it saves some of its best level design to- towards the end. It, it is it is is truly like awe inspiring, like what they ask the player to do, where the speed at which you are asked to do things with a mechanic I do not want to reveal because I just want to maybe encourage some people to push a little further to get to it. Um, you can no longer think. You just do. It is the so like ultimate application of a set of skills you have developed over a number of hours to the point that you can no longer think about your actions. You just have to do it instinctually. And as someone that likes games that press me to that point, um, but so few frequently do, uh, it is it was genuinely exhilarating uh, to to get to the ends of some some areas. Uh, 
and just just be sweating like sweating and nerve wracked to the the (laughs) same way that i feel in like an excellent dark souls boss where it's like wow i have been mentally physically tested i cannot believe i did that and then well maybe i should do it again and try and do it faster which is not (laughs) the feeling i feel at the end of a a souls boss is like haha never doing that again like woo, that's great um and the joy of neon white is no do it but like Maybe don't fuck up that jump a minute and 30 in. Uh, and so just it's going to be really high on my list of games at the end of the year. Like really hard to imagine too many games topping it um, and just just a joy. Um, and if for some reason you fell off it or didn't get further in, I cannot recommend more highly trying oh, to make up. it to the the mm. final mission to see the last catch little up. bit that they of surprise that they have for players because it is just a totally different way to play the game um, and and one that I uh, really appreciate and had a lot of fun with so two fine. giant thumbs up for for neon white fine <laughs> when you get there you're going to just like slap on your keyboard when which is it's just gibberish when you realize what the last thing that you get that you get to do um in that game because it is it is so fucking cool i will i will text you i will patrick i will text you the moment it happens i will please, give you i will give do. you that gift please uh so I've been like mostly just playing the same stuff I'm playing for the last couple of weeks. Uh, before we get in the question bucket, anything else? Uh, anyone else playing anything they want to hit up, or should we just dive right in? Take a dip. All right. Sploosh. Sploosh. I said sploosh. <laughs> sploosh. Yeah, get one of the question bucket. and go sploosh. I don't know. I said sploosh. These questions. All right. Hello, Waypoint crew, longtime gamer, but as I've gotten older with a family and full-time job, gaming time has become more limited. In Assassin's Creed Odyssey, I reluctantly bought the XP boost that gives an extra 50% XP for an extra $10. Rather than grinding through the skill tree, my experience of the game was much easier to appreciate the depth and breadth of skills available in my limited time with the game. Has there ever been a microtransaction that you have come to appreciate rather than regret? I still feel guilty about feeding into the corporate grind for microtransactions, but it did make me appreciate my time with the game. Is buying a microtransaction ever justified to enhance your enjoyment of the game, or am I just encouraging publishers to create a grind that players can buy their way out of the cycle? Thank you, as always, for your insightful commentary. Respectfully, not a whale. <laughs> so, I mean, like, I, I think, first of all, like, you know, you shouldn't feel guilty about it. Um, at like you at just the same pay time. for an easy, like an easier mode of the game that should have been something. Like you're right. That is the that is that should just be in the game. That should be something that you don't have to pay ten dollars for. But it isn't, and I think paying ten dollars to recognize you will enjoy the game more because of this is similar to playing a game on an easier mode. And don't do not feel any shame. Yeah, like because like simultaneously, like two things are true. Like this is exactly how they get you and why they get you. <laughs> Uh, uh-huh. and at the same time like the thing you buy does the thing and you get what you want out of it so like uh th- those two things are, are are both in play there in terms of like any any xp things anything yeah, i ever- was trying to think of what what i'm literally, literally like googling best microtransaction i don't know I've n- i don't usually engage with this sort of stuff and so i'm, I'm i can't uh-huh me neither I, I think in games that that get to the point where they want me to do microtransactions they just can't hold my attention long enough yeah because it's just like duh, I, 
I could do anything else. Well, that's the thing. I think like for me, it is right when it is like, okay, to speed up progression through this, mm-hmm. you'll really need to like, otherwise you'll be doing the same thing a lot. So this is where you want to sink some money in. Right. That is usually where I'm like, I'm just going to get off. Like if the thought of grinding this thing isn't entertaining, then I doubt the next tier up is going to be particularly interesting to me either. So I'm just going to like back away here. Um, like it does like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really struggling to think of, uh, games where like, I feel like they, they really nailed me with this. Uh, cause yeah, like for the most part, um, like getting getting the boost thing part of it is just uh like assassin's creed is a good example of what causes me to fall off the games is not progression it is just how much game there is and and that's the thing it's kind of a loop the game justifies being huge time sink and progress is glacial because it is meant to be a huge time sink that doesn't make me want to say man i want to put money into this and like speed up my time with it uh it, instead what's going to get me is <laughs> i guess for me the microtransaction is uh could i pay for the version of this that like maybe got lightly edited uh you know maybe maybe a little little sped up with with pacing uh, well, well that's why the the thing that comes to mind when i like thought about this question for a little bit longer is adjacent to this is so like frequently kids get bored with the games they are playing. And one of the more common things my daughter will ask me is, could we try and find a new game? And Apple Arcade, which we have a subscription to because we just pay for the all-in-one Apple stuff. So we get the music and the fitness and all that stuff. And it's only 30 bucks a month. It, it's, it's actually a pretty good deal for Monopoly. We take it and pay our $30. But a lot of the games in Apple Arcade are meant for older kids or involve a lot of reading and she is entering first grade reading comprehension is sort of what starts in first grade so she's not quite there wants to do things on her own and so what do i do well i go into the app store which is uh, a hellscape um, for games of kids of a certain age because what they want you to do is purchase a game that looks like it might be enjoyable at least to a kid who is of that age Offer it for free, but really it's only technically. And it's not because they're gating content, although sometimes that is the case. It is because they are going to layer it with ads that are impossible to click through unless you tap like the tiniest of X's mm-hmm, mm-hmm, or mm-hmm, little things. Yep. It is shit that should be. I mean, I, I am I, genuinely I have long thought I've been meaning to write like a big article about this because I, I engage with it so frequently and it makes me want to throw the iPad at the like the wall because it's it, like it is genuine for a company that claims to be family friendly and that c- could eliminate this if they wanted to through the regulation of their own app store. I the idea that my child downloads a game that says you can play this, they get one turn or like one entry or like one whatever the game the game setup is. And then it's either a big icon that says, would you like to like basically hand this to your parents? Would they like to pay $6.99 for these ads to go away? And I go, well, I don't know how long my kid is actually going to play this. So, no, I prefer not to pay the $6.99. But then I just have to sit there because they are deliberately made 
so that children cannot do it. They are explicitly designed that children are not going to be able to grok the UI and they're going to have to hand the device to their parents and then their parents are going to have to navigate. If you've ever gone to a shady website to watch, let's say, a sports stream um, <laughs> and you have had to go <laughs> through a bunch of pop-up ads There's that have the X's X, and things in different, in different too. places in which oh, pop-up yeah. blockers are not going to actually catch all those. You're not going to get a virus, but you are going to get tabs. Of, like, it's a nightmare. I'm sure we've all – imagine that and that is crammed into a kid's game. And – you have to then navigate that, and it's it is it is so clearly made to be there, so that the parent finally goes, "Fine, I will pay the six dollars to never look at those ads again." Um, and I try to have a strong threshold for that, or at least we get to a point where I think my child is going to get an afternoon out of this five dollars. Um, but it has gotten me in in weaker positions before, depending on my like frustration level, and it is. It's it's truly shocking how exploitative it is. Now, what if you bought a cool 3DS uh, mm-hmm. for for your child, and then too at much that, reading at that too point, much reading. Not all the things on the cool 3DS. <laughs> <laughs> well, they basically already get a version of a cool 3DS because uh, their dad gets basically everything that they could possibly you know sometimes sometimes she does get the steam deck and it's just like you want to just scroll through here and tell me what you want um but those games tend to be too too old for her for her too but and it's just it just sucks because there are like she just wants to play a game where you do a shitty cooking mini game like i will say we found cooking mama and that's on apple arcade (laughs) and so it stripped out all the microtransactions and the ads and she can just do the cooking mama mini games um and that's fine but if that 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 same game was on the app store it would be cluttered with cluttered with ads and it's just one time i'll show it to you when i'm in yeah. new york next and i like you will be <laughs> shocked at how gross oh it no is. i've seen i've seen these because yeah. like sometimes i like I, i'll fuck with shit where it's like that, yeah. that does similar practices um the other thing is that like this is a there is a kind of game that does not get made anymore except for on mobile devices mm-hmm. that would formerly be the do- like the domain of like a handheld. Like I learned I started playing games when I was like 4 or 5 years old. Um and games without like extensive amounts of reading uh because they were made uh and and like designed for kids to be able to grok and engage with um pretty quickly and without much difficulty. Uh and it feels like that class of like youth game no longer exists. Uh, outside of like phone app marketplaces yeah no that's that's definitely true and all that also uh, reminds me of when we played to human how much to human's aesthetic just reminds me of like a random game loft action rpg that you would find on mobile like it 100 percent looks like some random free to play and i I think that game i think that game actually has a pretty sick aesthetic so that's not even like it just uh, to human's aesthetic minus the norse sci-fi just like went into a bunch of free to play action games that you can find on an app store. Yeah. Uh, so our next question uh, comes from Evan. Uh, Evan writes, um, first time pod fodder bucket stuffer, long time listener, uh, long, long enough, at least to huh? witness uh-huh. yeah, yeah. Yeah. pod fodder bucket stuffer. <laughs> long time listener. Yeah, it's 
No. So it, <gasps> yeah. That's good. You know what? Pod got some people stuffer. who try and find a new way to say waypoint. And you know what? Maybe we need is new new ways of people talking about filling the bucket. Uh, so <laughs> I've been listening long enough that I recall Rob's appreciation for 2018's Armored Brigade. I was subsequently just as enamored with its emphasis on recon, its cunning AI, and above all the tension it created between sluggish tactical depth and the frighteningly brief violence of guided missile slugfests. I think that vibe is unique to tactics based on modern warfare and that Warno is poised to recapture that same vibe. Is that the vibe we need right now? Probably not. Is it a better vibe than fending off furiously masturbating Nazi stands? Yes. The last update to Warno, which is still in early access, has tipped the AI from pretty good to scary, uh, where before I could beat the bastard on hard mode pretty consistently. Now I regularly wonder, oh, shit, what happened to my right flank? Where are they? Cold War tactics have a fascinating way of amplifying your decisions, good and bad, and consequently amplifying the capabilities of a well-tuned AI opponent. Uh, I hate to hear that sucks to work at Eugen. They do impressive work that clearly has passion behind it, and I do worry that it's being exploited, as too often happens with passion. Should you support this company by streaming their games? I don't know, but if you do, I humbly ask you to consider a good old Cold War comp stomp. All the best, Evan. Uh, yeah, I mean, Evan, like... Warno looks like an interesting game. Uh, Eugen has made good games like that in the past. I'm sure when it's like further through early access, uh, it will be uh, a game well worth looking at. I do feel like it might be, even those caveats, it feels like it still might be too iterative uh, based on the other stuff they've done that I just don't know that I find a lot in Warno that excites me right now. Um, that reminds me, I, something I have been playing this week is a game called Regiments, which I think is, as sometimes happens with studios that maybe don't have the best culture, there's suddenly a wave of games that look a lot like Eugen games made by people with experience working at that studio, I believe. Uh, and so I think one of those games has recently come out, a game called Regiments, which is another like Cold War Turns Hot uh, thing. I've been playing that a bit this week and is an attempt to create a good like dynamic campaign uh that is a lot like well a lot like steel division or the war game series i think that was that has been fun and uh like it's certainly interesting in terms of how they make the campaign flow um their, their whole idea is this is a series known for like huge sprawling maps um so how do you like how do you create a feeling of like ebb and flow of campaign across these maps? They come up to, they have some good solutions for that where uh, you'll fight on the same map again and again, except this time, like, okay, can we finally take that Ridge that's been causing us problems this whole game uh, with the extra, extra resources we've earned in previous battles. All that's pretty neat. Um, the problem is just that, Games like this kind of live or die by production values and regiments is kind of lean on those. Um, and so it feels a lot like a, a really good um, alpha maybe, but doesn't feel like a fully built out game. So uh, I guess, you know, fingers crossed for, for Warno and uh, fingers crossed that like you didn't get their, their house in order though. I don't, I don't hold out too much hope on that front. Uh, but it is cool to hear that it is uh, it, it's coming together. Well, uh, Patrick, um not sorry not our patrick oh uh read uh right. listener patrick hello waypointers i was wondering what is the rarest game you've played not necessarily as in difficult to find on ebay rare though that can certainly count but the game you think that nobody else on the pod or in your various friend circles is likely to have played 
Uh, maybe it's a PC 98 Mahjong game. You emulate it out of curiosity. Perhaps it's a grognati war game dreamed up by a mad Bolshevik in a dice induced coma. Mine is probably the Discworld mud for the simple reason. I, uh, I know it only ever had a max of 300 ever playing it at one time. The player count has since dwindled to about 50 whenever I check in. And not many people like to play text-based mods, even amongst the gaming nerd community. Uh, P.S. Can't replace the Michael Mann pods with anime pods. My friend group has suggested we force Rob to watch Shoujo. Or you could call, call, it, call it Rob of Versailles. Or please, just let him talk about Girls und Panzer. I would happily <laughs> listen to that. No. <laughs> but we are going to review Chainsaw Man in October. So you have oh, that shit, I got to catch up with the fucking. Uh, yeah. So rarest game that like you think you might have gotten into this rabbit hole, access this thing that like nobody else here probably has. Mm. Trying to think of like weird online games that I played when I was a teenager. Like I, I you know, I. I because I was online at the the era of the of the Flash game, but those are probably games that were popular. I'm trying to think of. I can't think of. Yeah, I don't. Anybody here ever hear of the website bonus.com? No, that might be mine. Then it was a Flash games website that existed when I was a child. I think there was I mean, like a Flash version of uh, fucking Ski Free on there. <laughs> that I, remember. I mean, if, <laughs> if I go through my like Steam history. There are tons of games that I played for like 70 minutes or like 60 minutes that I'm sure no one here has ever touched. Um, but do those count? Because I feel like this is suggesting that you have to have like actually put time into it. Probably some of the ones that would apply that I can't actually remember the names of. But um, when I got to high school and we got access to TI-83 calculators, it was possible to download games to your calculator like those were programmable computers that were barely capable of doing very very much but there were i remember spending a lot of time playing bad versions of super mario on my ti-83 t- what was it like drug wars there was um does that oh yeah do, of course yeah that was popular though but i mean yeah. that like that was the one of the popular sucked. ones uh, I know, but it was a good time waster, yeah. and it looked like you were doing something in geometry class, and they couldn't call you out because you were still using your your uh, your calculator. Um, uh, and I remember d- very distinctly uh, there was a cable that you would connect because you could share executables between uh, calculators, but it was so fucking finicky. Like you didn't couldn't touch the cable. Frequently, it would fail. And I just remember there was a there was one kid in class who like had it set up on their computer, knew how to like dump the the games, and then they would come in, you would go over to like his table before school started, uh, and then try and download whatever games you could from his calculator. He was like a hub. He's just like got the one yep. one one cord into the bottom of his TI eighty three, spitting it out into whoever comes up and uh you know wants to play a, a bad version of Super Mario. So probably some of those games would would absolutely qualify because those games were mostly terrible and i spent a lot of hours uh with them god i'm oh man so all right this game that i'm i'm like i feel like i almost hallucinated it i know i played it i know i played it um so it was 
I guess this was kind of like forward looking uh, in in its in, in its way. But uh, so there was a World War Two game that I think was published eventually. And this is how I came across it as like part of like a Sierra Classics collection or, or something like that. But it was the most like, hey, we're inspired by Avalon Hill Hex Hex War Games, right? Real dry NATO counters, like, you know, map of Normandy, et cetera, like real, like all the shit you'd expect. Uh, and looks basically like war games before and really a ton of war games that came after. Okay, cool. Uh, but when those counters clashed into each other, they had decided, what if we do a little tactical battle? And the way they resolved it was, it was like um, the two armies would line up at the top and bottom of the monitor, and you would sort of like maneuver tiny little like sprite units around in combat against each other on what amounts to like, almost like I feel like it, I in, in in my memory it's like not even quite as intricate as like Heroes of Might and Magic type combat, but. It was it, it really felt like just sort of pushing these little pieces against each other and having them rub against each other until enough died to resolve the combat. Uh, but that is like I cannot for the life of me find uh, like what this game was called, because like if you start like if you look, you know, games named for D-Day or Normandy or something, you're just fucked. Like you're not going to you're not going to find them. Uh, so if anyone knows what I am describing, by all means, uh, <laughs> write in, tell me, uh, because like I am, I am certain I played it. I know I'm, I know this is real. I just couldn't tell you what it is. I figured out my answer. Fantasy Star Zero, the Nintendo DS Fantasy Star Online uh, game, which I have <laughs> a vague haze memory of. Uh, from my from my childhood uh, i have i still have the case for it i lost the cartridge and have not been able to find it for years since but that game is implanted like imprinted itself on like a foundational corner of my memory um as a as a as a like a aesthetic object patrick did you give yours I did the calculator. Yeah, 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 calculator. Um, sorry, I was like thinking. I, I thought sure. I was. I, I thought surely you have some weird console game somewhere. No, I can, nothing that comes off the top of my head. I mean, it, it, it surely exists. Like and it'll, classics it'll of Patrick as... stolen dev kit uh, archive uh... or some or something <laughs> like that. Well, I mean, you know, the the version of that is you know. Uh, I don't. I don't remember if like the original Team Fortress Two was playable at an E three, but I definitely remember going to Valve's booth and. They were showing a trailer for it. Like there, there are there are certainly going to be instances of games I have played that never came out that were only shown, you know, at, at an E three um, that I went hands on with um, in in some form. Um, the Team Fortress Two one is the one that comes to mind because that game never came out uh, until they rebooted it. But uh, no, I didn't really hold yeah. on to those discs and stuff like that. I, I mostly threw that stuff out. Hey, so. As we as we are winding down summer, someone wrote in with a uh, with a good suggestion. Hey, on the topic of refreshing summer drinks, have any of you considered getting deep into the world of Amaro? These are low ABV uh, herbal liqueurs, oh. often bitter. They're typically consumed as digestifs. You might be familiar with the more notorious examples like Jägermeister or Duh. Malort. 
used being used as a sort of hazing ritual, but there are other smoother examples, such as <laughs> Campari or Amaro Montenegro. Uh, there is a dizzying amount of varieties and can be a fun wormhole to fall down if you like collecting distinctive drinks. I often enjoy these in a glass with ice while relaxing outside during a cool summer evening. Hey, remember those? But you can also enjoy them with tonic water for a lovely, simple after-dinner cocktail. Love, Colin from Cambridge. Uh, I have only dipped my toe into the world of Amaro's, um, but I have started getting more into it. Like the, the, the Tiki obsession for me was a bit of a gateway drug into Amaro land because what fancy craft cocktail places are doing, cause like all the cocktail standards are, are standards. So like mm. there's limited range for like creating new drinks. Uh, but if you're willing to be a bartender's like, I found this really obscure, hard to source, uh, like, Amaro or uh, Digestif from from somewhere else. Uh, frequently, that is becomes an ingredient in, like this version of a classic drink. Um, and because I'm very suggestible, I have also started being like I will source that hard to find weird uh, Amaro. <laughs> and it turns out, yeah, that shit is gr- delicious. Uh, in like over like a little mixed with a little bit of seltzer water or over ice. Uh, it's it's real good times. I can't imagine drinking Campari over ice. What? What, what, too, what about what about what about just a little bit of seltzer? Uh, it needs something. It needs something. Oh yeah, yeah I, I yeah, could yeah. not. I like Negronis. Actually, I have Campari yeah. in my house because that's made. That's the thing that I drink most. I think is GNTs and Negronis. Uh, yeah, I put a little right extra sweet vermouth in there, just a tiny bit. I mm-hmm, like it on the uh-huh. sweeter side, but um, I, f- uh, I have a couple of, and I wonder if these would count. Uh, but. Uh, my friend went to Czechoslovakia a couple years ago and brought back some interesting liqueurs that were one was pine based. Mm-hmm. And I've I haven't I haven't dipped into that one. I sniffed it though, and it smells like pine needles. So it's very yeah. I'm very curious. I have pine syrup that I've been too much of a coward to actually do anything <laughs> with. I was like, oh, this sounds neat. And I sniffed it, and I was like, "It also sounds disturbingly like exactly what you might expect." Yeah, and I don't like, know. It's a nice Can I smell. Put this on a waffle? <laughs> it's a nice smell, but it's like it's not like I'm just gonna drench that. Mm, yeah. Hey. Yeah, uh, that's like one of those things that you would if you were out of bed and breakfast or on a vacation. It's like, and you're having breakfast every morning. You're like, you know what? I'm gonna say it. I'm Today gonna try. I'm doing this. the pine yeah. syrup. Give me that. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and but like you bought a whole thing of it, and you you can't even you find the way to use it once. <laughs> Jesus. When the apocalypse hits, don't worry. Still gonna have it in the fridge. <laughs> yeah. Um. So. This is a very nice correction. This is the nicest way to deliver a correction. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, Trell from PA writes, this is going to fall upon. Hi, everyone. I tried to keep this email short, but I wanted to write in about how games receive reputations in regards to their story, structure, etc. I was listening to the Waypoint, uh, the March 22nd Waypoint Radio podcast, number 469. We're all talking about your entry yes. points in the Final Fantasy series. Mm-hmm. At one point, Patrick brought up Final Fantasy X-2 and said that Ren needed to play it because that's a whole game about three of the main characters being pop stars. As you may or may not know, 90% of that pop star premise happens within the first five to ten minutes of FF10-2. <laughs> However, 
Most of the coverage for the game leading up to and around release seems to focus on that intro. I remember reading previews and even a review that suggested the game was full of pop star singing and mini games where you dress up the main characters when, in fact, again, that is not what the game is about. Super light FF10 2 spoilers follow. Without getting into too many details, the intro shows the main character, Yuna, singing at a concert, except you quickly learn that it's someone impersonating Yuna. You quickly win two easy tutorial fights, get the disguise back, and that's pretty much it for the pop star stuff. <laughs> there is an additional two-minute scene a bit later in the game where Yuna does actually put on a concert, but the remaining 50 to 70-ish hours are basically about Yuna starting a mercenary scavenging group and Fuck searching yeah. for treasure. What? That's way better. Deals with the ramifications of becoming the equivalent of a political and religious spokesperson and celebrity. This, a, a is, the, for- this is the Dune sequel right. we deserve. Right. I was going to say, a former pop idol being like, I'm going to go start a fucking mercenary company. Now that is delicious to me. Now <laughs> that is delicious to me. That's a mech warrior protagonist. That's a battle tech commander right there. Give me, my, Give me that game. My question is, can you think of other games that came to be widely known for extremely small portions of the actual game? What other games do you feel are misrepresented due to public perception of a minor game mechanic or plot point? Thanks for everything, Terrell from PA. I guess it's because that game does have the dress sphere in which that that yeah. is probably why people, like including myself, who didn't really play it, maintained that um, but also as they mentioned it. it was i remember the marketing being really focused yeah. on that mm-hmm. and i guess it's just like the the cutscenes that they they wanted to reveal were mostly those early ones i suppose <laughs> but that's why i didn't even know to say anything because in my mind i assumed that was right from all the marketing I feel like this, I'm trying to think of other games that have yeah. bait and switches to to that to, right. to that degree. I know uh, it's or at least very like, different I, I, marketing from. Yeah, I mean, well, well I mean, okay, like, so to okay, some hold degree, on. The brutal legend example is great, right? That was uh, like, yeah. so here comes yeah, Double yeah, yeah. Fine making a third person action game inspired by metal. It's an RTS, and they revealed that. The, I remember Never that was revealed the last it until per- the, the the reveal that I remember was when the reviews came out. No, it was just before. Okay. Because um, I remember there being a press event in which they said, "Here's the final, like, ha- like hands-on, like, here's what this game is about," and they revealed the RTS stuff, and like that's when attitudes on that game switched really quickly. To wait, like, this is what we're doing for most well, of the game, and this is the thing. Like, I feel like that was probably like cause this was the like one thing's done under the what was the EA label uh their special label that they were running back then right EA uh mm-hmm. partners yeah EA partners and i feel like that was that maybe dictated by some of the EA marketing around this where they were like real really nervous about how weird this game looked but like the thing mm-hmm. the reason they sort of cut their own throat doing that was you know, Patrick, you and I know like a big part of how games end up being assigned for review is like anticipating who will be into this kind of game, who is a good audience for it, who knows the space. And so I think the game ended up in the hands of a lot of people who were expecting something wildly different. They were expecting yeah. a heavy metal brawler effectively. And so here was an RTS that wasn't just like a typical like of the genre type RTS, but was actually in a tradition of like 
very different RTSs. Uh, that's always been sort of a weird subgenre in the space, going back to like I think like games like Sacrifice and such, mm-hmm. or um, mm-hmm. what Herzog's Vi uh, might be another one. Um, but like this was, it was a complete whiplash, and I think it totally poisoned the discourse around that game in part because all the people and unfair, unfairly, yeah. I don't, I don't think the RTS stuff is stellar by any any. Uh, to any degree, but I, I I quite liked Brutal Legend start to finish was always really bummed. Like it seemed like they had a really great foundation to do something really interesting with another one of another one of those. And it was, it always, I mean, the EA partners system, like that kind of fell apart over time once they realized not owning the IP was a problem um, uh, for them. I mean, rock band came out through the EA partner program. Um, And, uh, but yeah, that really poisoned the well people were, they were primed to dislike that game when it came out. And then I think over time it was, it's, I think now it's sort of regained its, yeah. its footing has been sort of reappraised as no, actually this is like one of the more interesting things that double finds ever made. The RTS stuff is fine. And actually like the world and story and music, like all that stuff is, is pretty kick-ass. Wow. I've forgotten about that. Yeah. That's a good one. That's a good one. Um, I do, I do feel like there's other examples, but like right in with yours. Cause I'm, I'm, I, cause I do feel like I've seen it happen a few times where it's like, eh, this game is not like what it is is really not like well understood. Uh, Ren. Sorry. I've, I've fallen down the final fantasy 10 hole. I need to play final fantasy 10 and final fantasy 10 too. I've decided <laughs> I've determined this. Um, I want you, for those of you who have any familiarity with those games, I want you to guess what has convinced me fully to play final fantasy 10 and final fantasy 10 too the black mage. i mean with, the black with those mage, games it could it? be anything right like it is the character pain who is so on the nose it hurts and i love her very much <laughs> <laughs> so this is going to be my this is going to be my next journey because this is as as on the nose as you can get for a renata renata bait character but trying to think of a good answer to this question i mean patrick you can correct me if i'm wrong would you say that darksiders 2 sold itself differently um than it was no they they more or less fully embraced early on like we're making a loot game and the whole time people are like well good luck (laughs) um (laughs) when is this set in the timeline before didn't you have a cliffhanger yes and so no that that game had a lot of skepticism from the jump, but they were pretty, they, they were very forward about like, Hey, well, this is the different type of game we're making, like trust us on. Um, so that was not, I mean, was it a bait and switch to have a game that ends on a cliffhanger where the four horsemen are going to team up and like reclaim earth or whatever? Yeah. But it, it was not so much in the, on, in the market, whereas brutal legend was more of a, a marketing like sweep of the leg <laughs> at the end. Darksiders 2 was like, once they were talking about it right, and I was going right, to right. press events, like, this is the game. This is what we're making. Got it. Um, and they sort of more or less like with that game, they, the way they explained it at the time was uh, they didn't have the budget to pull off the game that people wanted. Mm-hmm. And so rather than not deliver on the premise of that cliffhanger, they were hoping, well, we'll just keep establishing the Darksiders franchise and hopefully we get to a point where we can. Right. Like do that four player co op, like massive uh, Zelda game, and that just that just never happened. Right. 
people should write in. We yeah. have, I feel like I feel like the audience will have good examples yeah. of this, and maybe we can revisit. I, I want to say I was trying uh, to recall because another thought had occurred to me, and now it's 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 gone. Yeah. Um. Oh, hey, here's a great one. Loving the water talk lately. Have you heard about water influencers? Caitlin Tiffany at the Atlantic wrote about one big water-based lifestyle movement last year. There's a growing trend of people who spend thousands of dollars on water ionizing machines to raise the pH of drinking water. According to these influencers, doing this in tandem with exercise has incredible health benefits, including natural immunity to diseases like COVID-19. It's all quackery, though. So they get this water machine, start posting about how healthy and amazing they feel after drinking this better water, start a life coaching business, start telling followers, hey, you too could feel this good, could have this much control over your life. Let me help you achieve your wildest dreams. Manifest. The kicker is you've got to buy one of these influencers machines. Mm. Just just thought I'd share a look at the darker side of water hacking for what it's worth. Mineral packets for coffee, as described in episode 494, is about as far as I'd go in modifying my water. Thanks, Rhodes, in Issaquah, Washington. Uh, wow, I didn't realize that like there was a whole water influencing multi-level marketing <laughs> like machine out there. Um, boy, that's just going to get worse in the coming years, huh? Uh-huh. Like, you know, you, mm. you, you just got to presume uh, as like water sources uh, like change and, and get water prepping. I mean, that, that, honestly, maybe that, you know, if, you know, if in terms of things that maybe you should be a little paranoid about, like <laughs> water prepping is maybe like pretty high towards the the overlap on eh, could be a problem in 15 years <laughs> or sooner. Uh, but but at the same Start time, like, your water tanks full but, in the backyard. But these people, what they're what they're peddling is not like your your concern is not my pH level, right? Like that's not right. the thing that you're it's you're going to be. Where where please where can I yeah. find the water? <laughs> right, how do I get that good water <laughs> into me? Uh, all right, so that will do it for the question bucket. Uh, and hey, just to remind you, you can send us all your questions at gamingadvice.com with the subject line questions. Uh, that is a wrap on today's episode of Waypoint Radio. If you want more from Waypoint, you can follow us on Twitter at Waypoint, on Facebook, YouTube, Waypoint Vice. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Rob Zachney. Uh, Ricardo, where can people find you? Not a underscore cut underscore appears. It's not even a good bit, but I just love it now. I just love it. <laughs> it just, it's because they love card it's, games. It's already in there. And so you just say my name a little weird. And I know it's, it's, it's trash. It's trash. I know. It's just a garbage bit. It's the worst shit. It's not even a play on word. It's it's like, like Ricardo. Great name. Wonderful name. Also a very normal name. It's, you really sound like an asshole if you're trying to hit that syllable the wrong way. And yet, yeah. and yet they just love the card games. I and do. there's a little nod to that little bit of ricardo lore uh patrick where can people find you at patrick public renata you can follow my pain final fantasy 10 to fan account at <laughs> ren or raven and you can also go check out what we published on waypoint.vice.com i highly recommend reading duncan fife's oral history of tim curry's escape to the one place uncorrupted by capitalism it goes Space! in directions you you may Welcome. not expect, in addition to the backstory on Red Alert 3 and its most legendary line read. Uh, and thanks to Waypoint Plus, we've been streaming up a storm. 
uh, Oberhof Racing finished its first season on Motorsports Monday, and suddenly Kato and I have millions of dollars. We to were spend. in the green. We can just spend money deep in the green. <laughs> now, Chad thinks we're spending it wrong, but are mm. they the team manager of the year? No, no, they aren't. That's us. Yeah, we that's us. That. <laughs> If you're listening to this on Friday, you might also still be in time to catch Ren and Kato multiversusing. Uh, if you do miss it, check it out on uh, the VODs along with Patrick's latest adventure in Elden Ring. And hey, coming up soon, Kato, Ren, and myself are going to be in New York doing an in-person stream to, you know, kick the tires on some technical stuff we wanted to pin down after the last stream. But while we do that, we'll also be putting our fanciest keyboards and our skills to the test. You can see if I will be able to come to grips with a Dvorak layout. Uh, you might <laughs> even get to see Kato's legendarily slow typing speeds. I, I swear, it's are just they really just anxious and overthinking their messages? Are they secretly a little old granny hunting and packing their way through the day? No! Well, we'll find out soon enough, uh, as well as take a look at F1 Manager 2022 and hunt the most dangerous game in the wet, wet mud with Hunt Showdown, a place I will spend money on microtransactions. 100%. I mean, like, also the, the, the DLC characters look very good. That's me. I will buy. Okay, so I will buy. Like, sorry, I, I like. I won't like buy like bypass grinding stuff very easily, but like cool character with cool shit outfit. There's I might, a lot of. I might be sold. When you there's can a un- lot of cool hot ladies in Hunt. I gotta be honest. When you can unlock things, does it count as bypassing the grinding to buy them? Well, a lot of stuff you can't grind to some of these characters too, right? Like, yeah, not characters. not not yeah. in this game. I was thinking more uh, your car situation in uh. Grand. <laughs> but i can't but those aren't good my i will say they are not good biker transactions like <laughs> they, they just aren't this is why i haven't put more money more money in i'm just not i am not giving you money because you price some of your for some of your in-game cars at a like conversion rate that means they are literally like 150 dollar cars i'm not doing that <laughs> fuck you uh hey our waypoint plus listeners can hear us talk about prey uh Trachtenberg's incredible predator prequel as well as listen to all our podcasts ad free if that sounds good or if you just want more waypoint you can go to waypointplus.com and subscribe not only do you get access to our premium feed but you're also helping support waypoint and everything else we do here and if you want to show more than just support but uh zeal go to waypointgeneralstore.com and buy some of our fine waypoint merch uh, our theme music is by Bowen. The track is Miss You off the EP Pale Machine. Learn more at waypoint.zone slash B-O-N. For now, we're calling time on this week. We'll talk to you again next week. Till then, fuck capitalism. Go home. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com. 
the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.